This is 2021. This is the Betfred Super League. Be ready. Hello again and welcome to this latest edition of Eddie and Steve-O, the podcast, sponsored as always by Betfred. And it's not just the usual warm welcome to Steve-O, but this time it's a warm welcome home. Because Steve-O, you're back in the UK, you've been back just about a week or so now, you're getting over the jet lag? Just, just about. But I was expecting beautiful weather. But I'm afraid it's uh, it's had its fair share of rain in London. But that's not too bad. I've made it back. And I made it back hoping that I could go to the World Cup. It doesn't look as though I'm going to. Well, no. I mean, the World Cup is still very much in the balance. There are reports just now that it has already been postponed until next year. But I understand there is a big meeting due in the next 24 hours. Uh, and major decisions will be taken. The coaches and ex-coaches of nations other than the big two are hopeful. Um, but it, it doesn't look promising. And as you say, uh, maybe 2022 is going to be the best option. I think you're right, Eddie. I do not believe that the NRL clubs, uh, the players want to come. There's no two ways about that. And the Players Association, uh, as we said last week, they're not too impressed at the fact that the NRL and the uh, New Zealand Rugby League made that decision without even informing them. But I think you're right. I think the World Cup is doomed for this year. And it's already coming out in Australia that uh, they are quite happy. And New Zealand and Australia will be there in 2022. But let's hope that we're over this pandemic by then, who knows? Well, that's the trouble, isn't it? I mean, there's no guarantee that all this will be over and done with uh, by this time next year. Let's hope that, that it is. Um, but there are people here, Steve-O, they're on social media and they're talking publicly as well. They're saying, look, stuff the Aussies and the Kiwis. Let's go ahead and have a World Cup in 2021 without them. Uh, really? No, you can't have it. It's as simple as that. You cannot have um, two of the greatest rugby league countries in the world not appearing in a World Cup. I'm afraid that it would erode the old concept of the World Cup. It started in 1954 and it's been struggling to get through. We're all disappointed. And I've come up with something that maybe could help and appease uh, the people in the UK in regards to Rugby League International. Why not play in a two or three match series against the French? 
the end of season. It keeps us in the mood and helps prepare England for next year and also France. Mm. And maybe we could make that an annual affair so that we can keep up with the strength. The Australians have already said that the best preparation that they have, of course, is a state of origin where top quality players play in a very strong competition. Now, I feel that uh, the French players are coming through. They're getting bigger and better. So why not do that? Decent idea, I must say. Uh, just, just let's take it to the nth degree. Say in the next few days we hear that the World Cup is going to go ahead and you know, forget, forget Australia and forget the Kiwis. What about the English players playing for the NRL clubs? Would they, would they be allowed to come to the Northern Hemisphere and play in this for England? No. Simple. The NRL has said they are not sending because of the fact that they are frightened that the players will catch COVID. And they've made it quite clear that health and safety is the main reason why they are not coming. So that's that then. Uh, as far as you are concerned, and I must say I'm with you, um, the World Cup will be delayed for 12 months. There are so many competitions in other sports that are scheduled for 22. I mean, they may, they may not go ahead anyway, but at least New Zealand and Australia have made it quite clear that they wanted it to be postponed until next year. So we'll have to do the right thing because you can't have a World Cup when all the other teams are not there, especially the two top teams, which, let's be fair, Australia and New Zealand, over, what, 40-odd years, have taken control of winning that particular trophy. No other country has done that. It was Great Britain in 1972, and it's nearly 50 years, which will be 50 years since we won the Cup. Um, next year. So maybe that could be an omen. It might well be. You're right. OK, uh, the World Cup, you know, it's something that has dominated our podcast and is dominating the people's thinking uh, for the last few weeks or so. Let's hope that very shortly we get the definitive answer as to what's going on. Um, let's have a look at the Super League. For the first time since the European Super League was launched in 1996, we have got teams from France, Top of both Super League and the Championship. Catalan top of Super League. Toulouse unbeaten at the top of the Championship following their win against Featherstone at the weekend. Fantastic news for the game in France, this. It certainly is. And especially with the fact that Toulouse had a convincing win against Featherstone. And I think they fully deserve it. Both those clubs, they've worked very, very hard. Uh, I've always said in the past that uh, we need a second French side in the top division, and it looks that way, especially with the rumours that are going around, that we're going to have an increase and that we will change it from the Premiership. We're going to change it to Super League 1 and 2. I think that's a pretty good idea. At least it does not confuse any people that are not involved with Rugby League who may be interested in our sport. They can get confused, and I know quite a lot of people ask me, why do you have different names? have Division 1 and Division 2, and even Division 3. We don't know. But keep it the same name. Simple. 
Well, we did touch on this last week, didn't we, about promotion and relegation in 2021. Uh, by the sound of things, and from all that we're hearing, Lee may get that stay of execution, you know. Calls, as you say, growing for a 14-team Super League next year then four down in 2022 at the end of the season to form two divisions of 10, Super League 1 and 2. It does mean another possible change of format. By the sound of things, you approve, though. Oh, I do. And the only thing that I'm worried about, are they going to get a fair share when you've got 14? That has got to be something that they've, they've got to rattle out uh, with the, the other teams in Super League that would only allow Lee 50% or just over 50% of the money, are they going to say, well, those other two, which could be Featherston and Toulouse, and let's face it, they're odds-on favourites to do that, are they going to allow them into Super League 1 with the same amount of money? Now, that is the one thing that I would like to ask. Yeah, we'll have 14 at the, uh, for next season. Are they going to give it 14th each? of the money available. Well, I suppose in many ways they've got to, otherwise we, we might have a situation that we've got right now with Lee uh, cut adrift at the foot of the table. I mean, Toulouse have got some familiar names in the current squad. Jai Hitchcock, Tony Gigo, Remy Casti, Lloyd White, Harrison Hansen, Andrew Dixon, Dominique Peru, Elwar Pellissier, March, uh, Mitch Gar uh, Garbutt. They won 23-6 at Featherstone. Uh, and Toulouse is certainly making a play for whether it's Super League 1 or Super League 2 because all 10 of their victories this year have come on English soil. They've yet to play a game at home. Homesickness is not a problem anymore. Well, it, it was sort of given over the last two, three seasons. They're saying that they're very strong playing at home and that was their demise when they got on a plane. But I'd have to say that the one advantage that COVID has given to uh, the French side is that they've been in lockdown, they've been in a bubble, and they've got themselves into a situation whereby they're like full-time professional, both on and off the field of play. Once they get into a bubble, and if you get that team spirit, I mean, the team spirit that I've been watching on the TV uh, from from Catalan has been outstanding. They are linking together. They're getting it all together. Their enthusiasm. It, I mean, it's, it's just marvellous. It is 12 wins in a row now for the Catalan Dragons after beating Hulkingston Rovers on Monday. Uh, four wins more than St. Helens. Um, OK, the, the fixtures are a bit skewed one way or the other. Catalan Dragons for Old Trafford on October the 9th, do you think? Well, I hope so because they fully deserve it from what I have seen this season. Uh, I would like to see them there. I'm not so sure that the people that run Super League would be all that happy. Remember when Catalan went to Wembley? They didn't get a good turnover in regards to that awful word again, Eddie, money. They wouldn't get a full house at Old Trafford. Sadly, we wouldn't get a full house there. Maybe I'm wrong. But it was proved at Wembley that they didn't have enough fans who would travel from the south of France. I'm hoping that if they do get to the grand final, that all of the south of France buy up the tickets. But I'm not too confident about that. 
No, I don't think any of us are, and purely and simply because of the time span. It, it could be that the Catalan Dragons, if they get there on the 9th of October, they'll only know seven days in advance that they're going. And, you know, we have all the problems with the travel, particularly this year. Uh, they have all the problems with the travel anyway, with getting tickets, getting planes, getting trains, getting up here. So I think you're right. You know, the, the, the Super League uh, organisation could be just a little bit worried that we, we might not get the crowd at Old Trafford that we should get uh, if Catalan Dragons get there. The thing is, if you don't want Catalan Dragons to get to Old Trafford, what on earth are they doing in the competition? So they should be doing more to sell the, the tickets for Old Trafford right now. Yeah, and also, if it does get to the point, and uh, I'm sure that they're thinking that they've got the ability to do it, they have the ability to do, get to Wembley, so I'm sure that from what I've seen this year, they've been playing outstanding uh, rugby league football, and also, the Super League have to make sure that if that is on the cards, that they come up with a reduced ticket situation so that they do get a full house you know maybe you know do a family ticket which is maybe half the price of what they charge in the past yeah well i'm sure they will look at that uh, in the the weeks and months ahead uh, before we leave the french situation as you say to lose top of the the championship catalan top of the super league uh, behind uh, to lose in the championship featherson rovers but it's just been announced that Featherstone have had two points deducted and they've been fined £10,000 after having been found to have held an indoor gathering on March the 27th, a direct breach of national lockdown rules in place at that time. 23 people allegedly were present, 12 of whom were players who played a league game against Batley and the points won by Featherstone are now deducted uh, from that match against Batley. So Featherstone minus two. Table's been amended. Halifax, Bradford, Batley, they've all closed in on the Rovers for now. Uh, so Featherstone, despite their great success this year, they're not guaranteed of a place in a 14-team Super League if it goes ahead. And what is the um, the fine, Eddie? What, what was the actual amount? Well, the club were fined £10,000. By whom? Uh, by the Rugby Football League. Back to the on-field activity. St. Helens seem to remain the team to beat. They were so impressive in the win at Hull on Monday night, the first game that they played since Wembley. Jack Wellsby got a hat-trick. He's blossomed since his grand final winning try. What a player this young man is. Yes, and isn't it sad that a young, outstanding player is coming through the ranks is a very, very talented rugby league player. And yet, this poor lad probably was on the fringe of being selected in the Great Britain squad for the World Cup. I hope that he improves so that when they do play it in 2022, that he's still available. And I hope that he does not get injured or lose his form because at this point in time, I'm sure that he would have been selected. And why not? He's good enough to play for his country. He's outstanding, isn't he? He really is an outstanding young player, this. Jack Wellesby. And I'll have to say, Eddie, uh, St. Helens have been my favourites. I know we've discussed Catalan's chance of going to Old Trafford on the, the 9th of October, and I'm going to be there. And uh, as I say, 
I still think that St. Helens is the team to beat. Their all-round performances, both in defence and attack, they know how to get things working. And to me, they're odds-on favourites to retain the trophy. To do the threesome, as everybody keeps keeps saying. Um, Hull were com- uh, combative, weren't they? Uh, perhaps a bit too much in discipline <laughs> cost them on Monday. <laughs> they stay, yeah, yeah, it's not a bad word, is it, for me? Uh, they, they stay in the race for the six, but only just Hull. Yeah, they've, they've got to shake their feathers. I mean, uh, to be fair, um, they were their own worst enemy. They gave away silly penalties, et cetera, and so forth. There's one way of playing rugged. There's another way of playing tough. And there's another way where you give away penalties. And I'm afraid it was the third item that uh, was their downfall. They have to improve in that department. What about Hulkingston Rovers, Steve-O, just behind them in the, the Betfred Super League table? Rovers have only played 11 games. In the order of things this year, they've got to play 18 times uh, to have a chance of getting into the playoffs. They have suffered more than most in terms of COVID-related postponements. And they're finding it tough to rearrange the games. Hulkingston Rovers could miss out. It would be a shame because they've, they've played some remarkable football this year. Um, against all the odds, a lot of people thought that they would be down in the in the bottom section of the of the league, and uh, they they've got themselves in a good situation. But the bad situation is that you know they've got to play another seven times. They've got to rearrange those postponed games, and quite frankly, I don't think they're going to have enough time, and I don't think the the Super League organisation will allow them to sort of get themselves in a situation and if they do right, get those postponements and they find it tough to rearrange the games, they may have to play two games in a week or maybe even three games in a week in the final fortnight to get to those 18 games that they need. So if they do that, when you start playing in, say, doing six games in a fortnight, by the end of that, They'll be worth nothing. They'll be out on their feet. So it's a, it's oh, it's a very difficult situation for the Rovers, I'm afraid. It's it certainly is. Um, on another topic, the crowds. I've been a bit disappointed. I must confess. Uh, since the restrictions were lifted on the 19th of July, Warrington and Wigan Wednesday, Leeds Warrington Sunday, Hull Leeds Monday. They all had swathes of empty spaces. I thought there'd be a rush to return to the game, but people still seem a bit reluctant, don't they? They certainly do. And it's uh, it's sort of a 50-50 situation. Is it because they, they don't want to run the risk of catching COVID? Or have they found something better to do than going to their regular rugby league game? It's an amazing thing. People sometimes uh, change overnight. They say, get into a routine, get into a pattern, uh, every fortnight we play at home. Then we go. We're going to go down on a bus to so and so, so and so. It's a sort of getting that involvement. And once you stop that, oh, I can't be bothered. I'll watch it on TV. Now that is always a big problem that we've had: is that television coverage can also affect the crowds. Sometimes it does, but rarely uh, do they get away with it. Thing is, when the Premier League comes back in a week or two. Uh, and we're still allowed 
please God by then to have full houses at matches. I bet you that Manchester City and Liverpool and Everton and Man United and Tottenham, I bet they've got the house full notices posted. I mean, this is a this is a problem for the game, isn't it? That you've got to try and make it more attractive for people to come along. Yeah, and I, I suppose in many ways, but let's face it, you talk about uh, the soccer and there are thousands of people that watch the football, Eddie. It's, we've got, we can't compare. We can't compare with the crowds, etc. and so forth. Uh, it's, it's a shame. And I don't think that this, this uh, pandemic has helped us in any way. Because I mentioned before, you know, a lot of other people will say, well, I'll, I'll save money and uh, I'll watch it on TV. Uh, it, it's always, it was always going to be a problem especially with this pandemic, it's created chaos. Simple as that. It has. Uh, I mentioned a couple of games just a few minutes ago uh, that featured controversial video referee decisions. Josh Charney's trial <laughs> uh, for Warrington against Leeds. Kevin Nagama's no try for Saints against Hull. Uh, the video referee has got to get it right, mustn't he? The, the, uh, in those two instances, I don't know whether he did. Uh, it's obviously a matter of opinion. But this is an age-old problem, isn't it? It's an age-old argument. If you've got a video referee, he's got to be 100% seen to be absolutely spot on. Yeah, it's difficult. And we always say the same thing. Remember, they're only human beings. Of course they're human beings. But when they come up with something that's uh, controversial that can change a game one way or the other. At least we haven't gone down the track of what they're doing down in, in Sydney and uh, Queensland in Australia and, of course, the Melbourne Storm. Um, they are getting to a situation now where they, they, they're reluctant to award the try and are going up to what they call the bin for them to look at the video replays, etc. and so forth. The game is stopped whilst all this is going on. I know it gives the players a little bit of respite. It gives them a chance to have a bit of a rest. But it's so, so upsetting to see it. Why are they doing it? Why can't they have the confidence to do it? They what, make, just, the, make the decision on the field, you mean, and, and stick by it? Yeah, but it, there's far too much of this now, you know, go to the square in the air or whatever they want to call it. And let's check to see if it's right. I, I don't believe in that. I believe that uh, the game should be a lot faster. I mean, they're talking about now and they're saying, oh, you know, the players, are, they, they, they're getting run run down. They, it's so fast now. And it's, it's Well, every time there's a try scored, it takes sometimes two, three minutes before that try is awarded. The so, problem is people like you in your heyday, you would have absolutely had the referees on toast if they'd have given a try, and if it was seen to be a knock-on over the line, you would have gone ballistic. Now, be honest, you know you would have done. You yeah, would have of, course, done. of course it would. And the referee... So, so that's why they handed upstairs now. Uh, but hang on. The referee would just turn around to you and say, if you don't shut up, I'll send you off. <laughs> what, the commentators? Like you, you send <laughs> no, you no, off. <laughs> no, I'm talking about when you're playing or that, or that sort of thing. Look, we have the right, Eddie, and we, we have the right as, as commentators to voice our opinion. It's only our opinion. 
I can rem- I can remember many times where people have come up to me after the game and said, "You got so and so, so and so sent off," and I'd say, "I don't even own a whistle. How ca- how can you say that it was my?" Because a lot of people thought that the referee was listening to our commentary. Well, Adrian Morley got sent off in a test match after about 15 seconds because of you. We all know that. No. <laughs> but how did, I, how did I get him sent off? And in fact, that particular incident, um, Adrian Morley's brother uh, came over to me after the game and uh, more or less suggested we go outside and discuss it. <laughs> <laughs> he was a brave but, lad, wasn't he? He well, was a brave lad. Well, no... Uh, and to put it in perspective, about 10 minutes later, uh, Adrian's father, who I, I'd become very, very friendly with, just giggled and said, that was a bad one, wasn't it? <laughs> <laughs> I think I think Moz himself believes that as well yeah, uh, these days. Uh, listen, I think he does. Listen, Eddie, we've had many a laugh over that incident. And, uh, and like I said, I said, well, your father got it right. And he said, what's that? It was a good one. And it, <laughs> and it was. Well, he certainly sorted him out, didn't he? Um, George Williams, Steve-O, long-awaited debut for Warrington at Leeds. Quiet one, understandably. He hasn't played for for 10 weeks. But the drop goal late on, the one-pointer, won it. You'd be delighted. I was. It's as simple as that. uh, It was always going to take him uh, a while to get into it, even if it was fully fit. You know, when you go from one club to another club, uh, different styles, different sort of uh, coaching attitudes, etc., and so forth. But it just shows you the quality of the man. The one-pointer gave them the win and the two points in the league table. And that is what it's all about because he's such a good player. Is this going to be Warrington's year? You will notice I'm going to take, <laughs> I'm going to take a very long, hard breath. <laughs> I think so. Oh, oh, they're finished. Warrington Wolves are finished. Steve O's tipped them to win the grand final. No, 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 I didn't say that. No, you did. I said, is it going to be Warrington's year? And you said, I think so. Well, going to going to Old Trafford in the grand final it, it is a, a good achievement. And they've done probably, that three times before and come and home with nothing. And they'll probably play St. Helens, who'll still win. <laughs> <laughs> so. It's not, I think so. It should be, I don't think so. Well, I don't think they'll win it, but I think they'll get to the grand final. And get the silver medal. Well, there's nothing wrong about that. Come well, in, there, is if you if there is if you haven't won the goal for 60 years. <laughs> uh, in, in respect to Warrington, um, I really think that they have been playing outstanding uh, rugby league football. They've got a good side. And it's going to be interesting, isn't it, uh, that, you know, Darrell Powell uh, leaving Castleford um, and talking of the Tigers. Oh, I know they've hit the had, wall. They've hit uh, the wall. Well, they've had so many injuries. And I know all clubs have had bad injuries, but uh, they just seem to have lost the plot. And maybe, maybe the thought of losing your coach, uh, maybe there's something behind that as well. Maybe so, maybe so. Look, you're 12,000 miles away now. You're safe. You're safe in the bosom of the Great Britain family. Uh, but um, let's look at the Aussie scene. Uh, I see a couple of, well, three games actually were postponed because of a three-day lockdown in Queensland at the weekend. Three days! 
for a lockdown. They managed to get them played on the Sunday. Melbourne beating Penrith in the top match. Uh, this Jerome Hughes, the halfback for the Storm, he appears to be the man who has run the show. He's the star at the minute, isn't he? Yeah, he's a great player. And uh, they are playing outstanding. And at this late stage in the season, uh, they must be odds-on favourites because they played Penrith, my old club, last year. Penrith have been playing outstanding up until the state of origin. And in and around, people getting injured, etc. and so forth. Their key players have been injured and they've hit rock bottom themselves. I thought that it was going to be odds on to have a replay of last year. Um, but when you look at the fact that um, South Sydney, South Sydney coming up on the rails, they're up there, they're only two points behind in the league table. Um, the Rabbitohs are playing solid stuff. Now, Manly, Manly play the E the Eels this weekend and Manly are in six but they're only two points behind on the league table the Eels are on 28 Manly are on 26 after an awful start to the season they were awful the first three games and now they're hitting top gear but the big news at the moment Eddie is that because they've had to move up to Queensland to get the NRL games to be played um the Melbourne Storm chairman, a man called Matt Tripp, who took over just uh, 12 months ago, is attempting to shift this year's grand final to the Melbourne Cricket Ground. Wow. Really? And, and he, he obviously has got a bobber to this guy. He wants to buy the rights and outbid the New South Wales and Queensland governments to take it to Melbourne. Now, due to the COVID, right, there's been an increase in cases, and he feels that the NRL, the showpiece, should be up for grabs. He's acting like a boxing promoter. He wants to host something similar to a world title fight, but he wants it on his own ground. He wants it in, <laughs> in Melbourne. Uh, and he said, look, I'll give you a check, and then I'll promote it myself. Now, the thing being is that the NRL has previously sold the hosting rights for the State of Origin game to both Victoria, Queensland, and, of course, New South Wales. Now, this guy has really thrown a bombshell into it because the COVID situation is getting worse now in Queensland, so much so that the NRL are now having to think to ensure that they all go into a COVID bubble, that they may come back into New South Wales, away from Queensland, and start playing the games in the country areas. In other words, places like Dubbo, Wagga Wagga in New South Wales, or even in Canberra, where the COVID is not as bad. But that is up for grabs as well. So there's plenty... Plenty happening here. And, of course, uh, Lee have signed a, a Newcastle Knights uh, prop forward, bloke called Sam Stone. He's a former junior kangaroo. He's a talented player. He's played about 39, 40 games for both the Knights and the Gold Coast, and he'll certainly help in 
trying to get Lee off the bottom. Well, good on him for that. But I mean, we've already spoken about the fact that the the, the competition might be switched to to fourteen teams next year. Maybe uh, Derek Beaumont might have kept his uh, his bank balance in a bit more check and left it for for another five or six months. But anyway, good on him. Good on him because they, as I said last week, they've not given up the hope yet that Lee might. I mean, it's against all the odds, but they might just get off the bottom of the table in time. Well, even if they don't, of course, the it's speculation in regards to the fact that they, they want to get four teams in uh, into su- uh, Super League. I do like the fact that it's Super League 1, Super League 2, um, because we mentioned earlier the, the fact it's easier for the fans. And a lot of people have said to me, having different names for different competitions um, can be confusing. Look, uh, I'm just looking at the watch. Um, it's obviously with the jet lag prog- problems that you've got, it's way, way past your bedtime. So I think we better let you go. Uh, some fascinating stuff, as always. Um, you're going to be uh, you're going to be at the other end of the microphone next week. We'll be all right to talk to you then. You, you'll be fully recovered by that time, will you? Yes, I've got the alarm cock. Clock on. <laughs> You've got the alarm clock on. Yes. <laughs> Good lad. Good lad. Okay. Okay. We'll we'll talk See you, to you later, in, Eddie. We'll talk to you in seven days time. Get the alarm clock sorted out. <laughs>